Amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and be seated in the presence of the Lord. God so loved the world. That's you and I. Praise the Lord. Well, as uh, uh, as my daughter-in-law Jen uh, talked about in announcements, it's uh, join the church. And uh, so I want to talk about the church. I, I love the local church. And uh, can you believe ever since I've been saved, I've only been to two churches the church I got saved in, Centerville First Baptist Church in Centerville, Ohio. And I was there and got trained uh, in ministry there as well. And then in 1985, I came up to Pastor Cornerstone Church. I don't even know what it's like to even look for a church. Some people invited me, to, some girls invited me to church. I went, got saved, there I am. And when that pastor preached, I heard God speaking to me. And it became the family of God for me. And there I planted myself. I always say this, no roots, no fruit. You need to be planted in the house of the Lord, don't you? And, uh, and then I came up here in 1985, and I'm still here. My roots run deep, and uh, I'm like an olive tree. Uh, uh, old, uh, yet uh, springing forth a new life. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, I got Psalm 84 as my passage of scripture, just a great psalm, and uh, not sure who wrote it. Some say it's a Davidic psalm, and others say uh, some choir members wrote this psalm. Uh, It doesn't really matter. God inspired it, so it's God's word to us here today. Amen, church? And after the service, uh, we want you to head on over to our Connection Corner. And uh, if you're not a member of our church, you've never been through Starting Point, we'd like you to go over there, get your crumble cookie. I first had my crumble cookie in Denver, Colorado. My, my son-in-law and daughter, they live out there, and uh, they're taking us around. And, and Jake, uh, Jake is all into these crumble cookies. He says, Dad! I'm going to order you a crumble cookie. He gets on the crumble cookie app, and uh, he orders it, and, uh, and you pull up, and uh, th- I think this is during COVID, and so they bring the cookie out to the car, and it's all warm because it's fresh out of the oven, and it's like a gourmet cookie. And I and my, remember my, my wife and I were talking and said, man, I wish, I wish they'd get these things in Michigan. And then she's talking to me, and right there in the town of Fenton where I live, there's a crumble cookie being opened up. Just what I need. Just what I need. All right. Psalm 84, verses 1 to 12. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home. And I can just imagine the psalmist, let's say it's King David, uh, going to the tabernacle, as it were, and uh, seeing the birds fly about and making their nest in the nooks and crannies. And he's envious that uh, they're in the presence of God at all times, that there they're living, that there they made a nest, there they made a home. You know, that's what this is all about. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley. This is talking about the journey. 
the children of Israel were commanded to journey down to Jerusalem to, to participate in the, in the different feasts and festivals. And so no matter how far away they lived, they had to load up the family, uh, get in their Tesla, and make their way down to Jerusalem. That's what this is talking about. And they had to pass through all the various places. The Valley of Baca literally means the Valley of Weeping. So their heart is set on this journey. And God wants you to journey, doesn't he? He wants you to journey in him, but he wants you to get up and go to church. That's what that's talking about. Get up and make yourself, get yourself to the house of God. That, so that's what that's talking about. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So you all made your journey today, didn't you? You got the kids up, you, you, you got ready, you took your shower, you put on your Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, uh, you loaded the kids up in the car, you drove to church, and uh, the blessing is this, you're appearing before God. God is here. He will honor you when you set your heart to go to church. He will honor that. O oh Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O oh God of Jacob, Selah. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your course is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper, which is the lowliest position considered in the temple worship. And, and uh, you know, the Levites, some of the Levites were given the, the responsibility and ultimately the privilege to keep the door. I'd rather be an usher. I'd rather be a greeter. I'd rather be a cafe worker. I'd rather be a guest service person. I'd rather be on the, uh, on the security team than dwell in the tents of wickedness, than the highest position of honor in the world. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Notice this promise is given to those that make their journey to the house of the Lord, who cry out for the living God, who make it a home and a nest for their young. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. I've been reading some articles about, uh, you know, the workforce these days, and uh, businesses are still finding it challenging to hire people. And uh, they're calling it quiet quitting. Anybody hear that expression, quiet quitting? Let me read to you what this is about. Quiet quitting is when an employee only works within defined work hours and only does exactly what the job requires. It is a rejection of a work ethic that goes above and beyond what the job requires. It can take many forms, such as turning down projects based on interest, refusing to answer work messages outside of working hours, or simply feeling less invested in the job. According to a recent Gallup poll, quiet quitters make up at least 50% of the United States workforce. I tell you what, America is losing its work ethic, isn't it? What we call the Protestant work ethic, which is basically when you work, you work as unto the Lord, and it's an act of worship. 
That's right. So I'm doing God's work. I'm a preacher. And so some people think, well, that's God's work. And I work for Ford or I'm a real estate person or an entrepreneur. That's not God's work. No, the Protestant work ethic is whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So you actually are working for Jesus on your job. That's, and so you give it your best. You give it your all. That's the Protestant work ethic. We need to keep that, right? So talking about this quiet quitters making up at least 50% of the U.S. workforce. So I saw another article that kind of springboard off of this quiet quitting that's out there in the workforce into the quiet quitting church. The quiet quitting church becomes content with their impact and content with their passion. Pastors become lazy, attenders become apathetic, and the church becomes lukewarm. Meanwhile, people who are not saved are on a path to eternal destruction. God wants Cornerstone to be a great church filled with great people who have a great commitment to the Great Commission. God wants Cornerstone to be a prevailing church, a passionate church, and an overcoming church. God wants you to join the church, join a group, and join a team. To be that kind of church, we're going to need to understand what the church really is intended to be. Not an institution, not an option, but an environment in which we are called to plant our lives and a habitation in which the destiny and identity of each of us is shaped and fashioned. It is the household of faith in which God is working by his spirit and through his word. Do you feel prepared for what is coming on the face of the earth? Do you struggle with your purpose in life? Are you longing to be right in the middle of what God is doing on the face of the earth in the last days? Are you overwhelmed by the shifting and shaking that seems to be accelerating in the world? Are you feeling alone in your journey to follow Jesus? I want to encourage you to prioritize being a church this fall, being in church this fall. Not just to take up a seat, but to be part of the family God is building, as well as to receive what God is speaking to us. I know for those who lean in, God will meet us, transform us, and prepare us. Oh, I believe that. We have a great video that talks about the blessing and the power and the fruitfulness of a church, Cornerstone Church. Let's play the video at this time. At Cornerstone, the call is given. The doors are always open to whosoever will. To come. To come and sense the presence of God in awe and wonder. To come and hear the sound of heaven. To come and find new life in Christ. We come to be a part of something greater than we could ever be alone. We come to worship the King. We come to link arms in commitment. We come to find a new beginning. We come to grow as a family. We come to grow in spiritual strength. We come to be a part of God's family. We come because we have been born again. Praying. Proclaiming. Worshipping. Serving. All this for one thing. 
We're here to make Jesus known because he is Lord. Amen. To make him known, to know him and to make him known. Why should you join the church? Well, I'm going to minister out of Psalm 84 here a little bit and uh, just draw some things out of here that really touched my heart as I studied this and meditated on this psalm. And why should you join the church? Well, I remember joining uh, the church I got saved in. And, you know, you know my story before I got saved. You know, my parents were devout Catholics and uh, they always went to church and every holy day of obligation and was just raised in church. And there's benefit to that, of course, but I didn't know the Lord. And since I did not know the Lord, I didn't love the house of God. I didn't get anything out of it. Uh, I couldn't wait till I could uh, grow up and move out of the house and never go to church again. And then all of a sudden I get wonderfully saved. And you know what happens? The spirit of God is breathed into your heart and uh, God's desires then become your de- desires because you're partakers of a divine nature, the nature of God, and you have holy affections. And one of the things that I saw immediately, I mean, immediately changed in me is a love and desire to be in the house of the Lord, because that's where I heard God speak from the pulpit. That's where I worshiped with the fellow believers. That's where I experienced the wonderful presence of God. The church is God's main discipling institution. So that's where I was being discipled and growing and was exercising my faith. And I tell you what, I just love the church, the local church. Why should you join the church? Because number one, church is the dwelling place of God. It says in verses one and two, how lovely is your tabernacle? And of course, I realize he doesn't dwell in a building made with hands, but we are living stones fitly framed together. He dwells among us and we're being built up in him as God's people. My soul long just even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Church is the dwelling place of God. You meet with God. Where else are you going to meet with God with God's people? It's his church. I mean, I realize God is on the inside of you and you work your job and you do it as unto the Lord and you can have your personal devotions, but there is something special about being joined together with others. The church is the habitation of God in the spirit. He is among us in a very real tangible way. He moves among us, right? We meet with him. We experience his presence. We worship him. The psalmist says in Psalm 27, talking about God's presence and his house. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The beauty of the Lord is the presence of God. Here we talk the name of Jesus. Here we worship the name of Jesus. Here we encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. I mean, I was glad, very glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. These are holy affections. These are spiritual desires. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. You've been born again, bought with a price. God is among you, in you, with you. And so each one of you should long and desire to be in God's house, in God's presence, with God's people, honoring the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, I will dwell with them. So it's not talking about singular, but plural. I will dwell with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my 
people. Remember years ago when my wife and I were in Egypt and I was uh, ministering there in the chapel there in the city of Alexandria and, and Pastor Ayet was, uh, was doing my translating. And this was a dream that I had when I was there in, in Egypt. And in this chapel service, in my dream, I'm standing on the left and Pastor Ayet, uh, he was an old, elderly man at the time. He had uh, Coke bottle glasses. I mean, and when, when I would read the word, he'd have to translate it, reading it in Arabic. He literally would hold it like this. And he had such a strong voice like this. And he loved to tell jokes. And he'd be preaching with puzzled. And then he'd speak in Arabic, and uh, that's an interesting. It sounds like dogs barking in Arabic. <laughs> Anyway, so I, I'm, I'm preaching, and he's translating. He's a great translator because he brought all that passion. He's a little guy. He'd actually stand on a box and read the, remember, read the scriptures like this. And in my dream, I'm teaching. He's translating, and the people all gather. That chapel probably held about 200 people. So pastors and Christian leaders were all there. Well, what a privilege. Uh, my wife and I were planning on going back this, this March, uh, Lord willing, of course. And in my dream, as I'm preaching, all of a sudden the presence of God comes in from the back. And uh, I, I look at him, and uh, I say, it is the Lord. And the presence of God was like a, a, a flame of fire wrapped in a cloud. Like a, a pillar of fire wrapped in a cloud. The Shekinah presence of God. Kind of like the cloud by day and the fire by night wrapped in one. And that presence of God just moved into the congregation. And it went back and forth through every row of people. And as the presence of God went back and forth through every row of people, he would supernaturally touch every need that each person had. And then in my dream, I'm on the platform and I'm face down. We're all now face down, worshiping the Lord. And the presence of God was moving out of, this, out of that chapel leaving and the lord hadn't touched me and uh, i cried out don't pass me by lord and as i cried out that 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 cloud and fire stopped and then it turned and started moving towards me and i was filled with the fear of god but I wanted it, but I was filled with the fear of God. I mean, here, here comes that presence of God coming towards me. And I said, I love you, Lord. And the Lord responds back and says, and I love you. Then he spoke a prophetic word over me, and I instantly woke up. I think we were in Cairo, in the Hotel Hilton, right there on the Nile River. I immediately woke up, and uh, my wife woke up around the same time, and I said, I just had a dream from God. I shared that prophetic word, and uh, the dream, I can still feel that dream, and still see that dream in my own heart as I just uh, shared it with you. And uh, that's what it says. Here, I will dwell with them and walk among them. 
And that's what the presence of God did. It just walked among us. It just walked among us. Supernaturally touching every need that was present in every single person. That's the power of the dwelling place, the habitation of God. That's one reason why you need to join the church, be a part of the church, is because it's the dwelling place of God. The second thing I see is that church is the family of God. In verses 3 and 4 it says, even the sparrow has found a home. A home. And the swallow a nest. Raise your children in the house of God, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God and my King. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. There's something sustaining when you're dwelling in the house of God, when you make it your home, where you're meeting with God, is God enables you to still be praising him. Your praise doesn't dry up. You're able to go through every season of life because you made the church your home, your nest. They will still be praising you, O God. Even your altars are there. And I I love the altar area and... uh, you know, people come and a lot of, a lot of things happen. And, and at our pre-service prayer meeting, it starts at 810. And you're welcome to join us. We have a wonderful prayer meeting, 810 to 835. And we just pray. We worship. We, we call on the name of the Lord. But a lot of times I just, I just walk the, the altar area. And uh, this is what I pray when I walk the altar area, because I encourage people, come to the altar and pray for what happens on the altars, and uh, ask God to do that this morning. And so I'm praying, and I said, oh Lord, I pray that this altar will be a place of salvation, that it'll be a place of repentance. I pray, oh Lord, that the altar area will be a place of miracles and a place of healing, that it'll be a place of consecration, a place of dedication, a, a place of reconciliation. Oh, God, show up when people come forward. Do mighty works in their heart, in their marriage, in their family. Let the altar be filled today with people responding to you. Let it be a place of liberty and a place of power in Jesus' name. Just walk up and down the altar area, just praying that, because that's what I want to see happen. And, of course, the, the dwelling place, the tabernacle, had an altar of sacrifice, had an altar of washing, and uh, sometimes I, I, I come up on the platform and I pray for what's happening up here. Oh God, may the worship, may they make your praise glorious, may they prophesy upon your instruments, oh Lord, may you inhabit our praises and be enthroned upon our praises. May, may your praise abound today to the glory of God. May the gifts of the Spirit be ours today as we worship you. And then I come up to the pulpit area and I'm praying for what happens up here. And I say, oh, Lord, anoint me. Anoint your word. Anoint the people to hear the word of God. Let your word run swiftly. Let it be like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Let it be like a sword that divides between the the, the, the soul and the spirit today. Let it be a mighty word, a life-changing word. Let people be born again by the word of the Lord. The church, it's like a home, right? The family of God. The Bible says the sparrow has found a home. The swallow has found a nest. God loves to set the lonely in families. My wife and I are first-generation Christians. She's the one, that first one in her family that got saved. I'm the first one in my family that was 
what I would say, born again, brought into the family of God. And uh, the Lord placed us in a church. And our pastor became a spiritual father to us. And we had brothers and sisters in Christ. And it became a home, a place we were discipled and loved and received and accepted and corrected. It was hard to leave that church to come up here. Because God did such great things. We got saved there, baptized there, baptized in the Holy Spirit there. We got married there. I went to Bible college there. We got trained in the ministry there. I became a youth pastor there. We dedicated our children to God at that church. We have a lot of memories. Made lasting friendships. Hmm. That was something. But you got to follow the cloud. And when we came up here, to be honest with you, it felt a little lonely for a year or two until we established relationships and had shared spiritual experiences. God loves us at the lonely in families. Families are falling apart and being redefined by our culture. The local church can be the family of God, a place of love, acceptance, and correction. In our culture, biblical marriage is under attack, and children are definitely under attack. But when you come here, we can get a sense of normalcy and biblical morality and honor marriage as God intended and honor families as God intended. And you can be strengthened and encouraged, and we will help you disciple your children. And as we approach election... Let's pray, let's vote, and let's stand. Let's pray for revival, let's vote our biblical values, and let's stand for Jesus. Amen. Well, when you come to church, you can be encouraged. You're not alone. You're not alone in this. God has his people. We can encourage one another and strengthen one another, and you can be taught the Word of God. And listen, the world is upside down and crazy, but we stand for Jesus. We stand for life. We stand for truth. We stand for faith. We stand for family. We stand for biblical sexuality. Somebody say amen to that. So we pray for revival, we vote our biblical values, we stand for Jesus. And we are the family of God. The family of God. That's why you should join the church. You'll get a family out of it, a spiritual family. Remember the Pharisees came and said, uh, your, your, your mother and your, your, your brothers and sisters are outside waiting for you. And if you look at the context, the Pharisees were saying that Jesus was demon-possessed. He's doing it by the power of Beelzebub, these signs and wonders. He's demon-possessed. And and a lot of Bible commentators think that the mother and uh, his mother and brothers and sisters came to kind of rescue him. To, you know, maybe they were buying into this type of propaganda, as it were. And uh, Jesus just dismissed them, said, you know who my, my mother and brothers and sisters are, my true family? They that are doing the will of God. Now, I thank God for natural family or blood, but I also thank God for spiritual family, for the spiritual family, for brothers and sisters in Christ. And the church becomes a family of God. Somebody say amen to that. Church is a place of spiritual growth where you do life together. Verses 5 to 7, blessed is a man whose strength is in you. Okay, if you are truly strong in the Lord, you know what you're going to do? Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. You're going to make a journey. 
As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So once again, this is talking about the journey or the pilgrimage that Jews were required to make to go to feasts and festivals to worship God. Pilgrimage is a journey where a person goes in search of an expanded meaning about their self or God. It can lead to personal transformation after which the pilgrim returns to their daily life. God wants you to pilgrimage to church, to journey to church. There's something that happens when you make that journey. Something happens. I I, I thank God for being online, and I thank God that we could offer this. Uh, We still do, and especially during COVID when uh, it was very scary, fearful to assemble together and the spread of COVID, things of that nature. But uh, listen, the, the church is the assembly of God. It's the gathering of God's people. And you know what you need to do? You need to get up, get dressed, shower, and then get dressed Get your Cheerios, get your kids out of bed, get them dressed, get in your car, and make a journey to assemble and appear before your God in Zion. The Bible says, whose strength is in you who make the pilgrimage. I tell you what, it takes spiritual strength, spiritual commitment, and spiritual priority to do those things on a Sunday morning. Some people, it takes the littlest thing. You know, I woke up and I got a little tiny headache. Ah, that's it. We're shutting her down, you know. Uh, but I want you to know that you can strengthen your hand in God and appear before God. Listen, blessed is man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set. That means God wants you to prioritize. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca. That, that's, that's the valley of weeping. They make it a spring. So it goes from, it's talking about plural, right? They, we do this together. We do life together. We pass through sorrows, weeping, challenges, trials. As they pass through that valley of weeping, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They Listen, they go from strength to strength. There's, there's that spiritual growth. Church is a place of spiritual growth where you do life together. Each one appears before God in Zion as they pass through. Listen, God wants you to journey through every season, every trial, every challenge of your life with others as they, they, they. I tell you what, I've, I've done so much life as a pastor of Cornerstone Church. So much life. 37 years I've pastored this church. I'm almost embarrassed to tell people I've been here that long. 37 years. I remember starting this church, baptizing, dedicating babies, marrying people. As Ken Polner said one time, you know, if you stay long enough, you'll hatch them, you'll match them, and you'll dispatch them. (laughs) And I've done that. The ebbs and the flows, the ups and the downs, the growth, the lack of growth, the sorrows, the challenges, the blessings, the rejoicings, the victories, the buildings, the raising of the money. The, I've done all that. 
And I am better for it. I am better for it. Hmm. So you make this pilgrimage. You make this journey. It's interesting what happens when you get the kids in the car and the wife is in the car with you and you're on your way to church. It's amazing what happens on that 15-minute drive or that 30-minute drive, isn't it? It's like the devil enters that car. Have you ever argued on the way to church? Gotten a big domestic? Yeah, what is up with that? I don't know if you remember this. We're back when we lived in uh, in Milford. We're coming to church. I believe it was a Sunday morning, and you and I got in a, got in an argument, a heated domestic, and the kids are in the back seat. And on the way up Hickory Ridge Road, I literally pulled off to the side of the road, and we had to pray and ask God to forgive us because I'm the pastor coming to church <laughs> to worship Jesus. <laughs> Your heart is set on pilgrimage. Now, back then, it was quite a journey. I mean, they had to load up the donkey and get the supplies and, and go through the desert and up the mountain and down and then make their way to Jerusalem. And uh, uh, a lot more difficult. Man, we got it easy. I mean, uh, really, with all the civilization and, and, uh, and uh, things that we have now, there should be no excuse to not make a journey to come to church. Am I right about that? Church is a place of spiritual growth. If you make that journey and you do life together, the scripture says there, you will go from strength to strength. And what happens when you make that journey? You appear before God. You appear before God. I'm going to do one more point here. Church is better than the world. That's point number four. Point number one is church is the dwelling place of God. Number two, church is the family of God. Church is a place of spiritual growth where you do life together. That's number three. And number four, church is better than the world. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I looked up the message translation of this. It says, one day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship, beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. Church is better than a thousand. Better than a thousand. What do I mean? It's better than a thousand days on vacation. It's better than a thousand days at the lake. It's better than a thousand days on the golf course. It's better than a thousand walks in the park. It's better than a thousand days working that job and making the money. It is better than. Better than. That's what it's talking about. No place I'd rather be. It's kind of the sentiment there. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather serve or rather work. The doorkeeper was the lowliest position. The idea of dwelling in the tents of wickedness is the highest position in the world. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, a greeter, an usher, work in the security team, than be president of the United States of America. That's the sentiment behind that. A day in your courts is better than, better than. Of course, this searches our hearts. Church is better than the football game, the walk in the park, the television show, or the relaxing morning. Church is better than a thousand days on vacation at the beach or on the golf course. 
The lowliest place of service in the church is better than the highest position of honor in the world. Why? Because the church is the dwelling place of God. Because the church is where you grow together in the Lord. Because the church is where you appear before God. Because the church is where the gospel is preached. Because the church is where you experience life change together. Where you do life together. Where it's the family of God. The church is a place where we fulfill the great commission where it matters and it's important. Listen, there's a world out there going to hell. God needs a vibrant, alive church that is committed to fulfilling the Great Commission to get the gospel out. We also need to encourage each other because the days are getting darker. The scripture says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What's the day approaching? That's end times. Gather together more as the days draw to a close. So I was thinking, why do so many people attend church less and less when that day is approaching in its perilous times? And so much much more as you see the day, as you see the day, as you see the day approaching. And I was just meditating on this, and I realized so many people, they don't see the day approaching. They're, they're, they're believers, but they don't see the day approaching. They, 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 their heart is apathetic, or they have reprioritized their life, or they're a, they're a quiet quitter where they do the very minimal or minimum But I want you to know that it is now time to wake up, to recognize the days are evil, and that we need each other, we need God, we have a mission. I invite you to join, to join the church, the family of God, the sheepfold of the great shepherd, the building of the Lord, the bride of Christ the body of Christ. Join the church all in. Jump in. Be committed. Let's see what God will do. Hallelujah. I got here. Thank you. Thank you. I got here the, the, the insert says, join the church. We are excited that you are interested in joining our Cornerstone family. The next starting point class is Sunday, October 9th. And uh, uh, we have a group of people in our church that will host this class, and uh, they'll go through the vision and doctrine and answer any questions. And at the very end, my wife and I come in, and we just make ourselves available to, to answer any questions you have. And it's, it's always great, and maybe they'll serve crumble cookies there. I'm not sure. There's always some type of treat there. You know, give me some pie, and I'm there, right? And uh, perhaps uh, you're new to the church. You've been here for a while. Maybe you can... Sign your name and take this out to the connect corner. Boy, I tell you what, God will bless you. The more committed you make. And maybe you you have joined the church and you are a member of the church. Thank you for that. But you've lost your edge. It's no longer a priority. Your heart 
or life is filled with things that are so much more important, I encourage you to read Psalm 84. And that's the heart. It's the inspired, God inspired those words. That's holy affections, godly desires. We know in the last days, perilous times will come. And there will come a great falling away. There is safety in the house of God, in the family of God. Will you join us? Will you reprioritize? Will you once again set your heart on pilgrimage to appear before God on this New Testament Sabbath day, Sunday? to worship with God's people. Bow your heads in the presence of the Lord. Will you do that? You're here and you would say, you know what? I need to reprioritize my life. I've let things slip. It's not important as I used as it used to be. Or I no longer serve like I should. And I, I just feel like God has spoken to me and dealt with me. If that's you, can you just raise your hand? God has spoken to you and dealt with you. Just lift up your hand in the presence of the Lord. He spoke to you, spoke to you out of this word that you need to, yes, thank you for that, that you need to reprioritize. Just go ahead and raise your hand up, all right? And may the Lord bless you. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else, you feel like the Lord really spoke to you, that you need to reprioritize. And if you're new to our church and uh, attending Starting Point, I trust that you'll fill that out and turn that into, into the Connect Corner, right? And uh, we'll get you set up and uh, you can begin an amazing journey of growing and going from strength to strength. Now with your heads bowed, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to give you an opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation, a prayer of commitment to Christ. If you're here today and uh, you're not a Christian and you want to be included in that prayer, can you raise your hand? And I will pray with you today. Just lift up your hand. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand in the presence of the Lord. Please turn in that connect card. That's going to be great. Been wonderful to be with you here today. I hope it was a blessing to you. I love Psalm 84. All right, we'll close with this worship song, then you'll be dismissed.